Hi, I'm Paul Listick, and welcome to Behind the Curtain. What great music, isn't it? Uh, almost any song you will hear from Hairspray uh, is going to get you going and get you excited. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, everybody. This is Paul Lisnick, and we're going to be taking a look at three fantastic shows that you can enjoy uh, as part of the Broadway in Chicago series uh, in, the, in the city. And we're going to begin with Hairspray, playing February 1st to the 13th at the CIBC Theater. And joining me, and I asked for him because he's a longtime friend, and he's so incredibly talented, and he plays the role of Corny Collins, Billy Dawson. Dawson, who has done everything from appearing at Universal Studios Japan and Jekyll and Hyde and Light in the Piazza. And Billy, you've settled into this national tour as Corny Collins, and this has to be one of the most fun things you've done. Oh, absolutely. It's just like you said, every song really gets you going. So we really are up on that stage having a party every single time. So if you really want to have a good time, come through to the CBIC. I'll tell you what. And, and you know, the truth is, Billy, that while, look, the show is fun, the music is incredible, everybody just loves what they're hearing, but there is an actual serious story behind this, right? I mean, it takes place in Baltimore, circa early 1960s, and there really was a message, certainly, that, you know, people would hear of, and we still hear it today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for the time, 1962, um, it's even more relevant, I'm not even more relevant, but as since it's opened, it's gotten even a deeper meaning. The show is timeless. Like the song in the show, it's called timeless to me. The show is very timeless. You know, with recent, you know, we have two pandemics in this country right now. We have the pandemics of COVID of course, and the pandemics of racism. And really this show, I, I like to describe it as a party that makes you think it will have you on your feet dancing, but it will also have you, it'll have you dancing. It'll have you crying. It'll have you, have you singing along. It'll have you, it's a full range of emotions and feelings. <laughs> and, you know, I, I saw the show and it was first on Broadway with Harvey Fierstein. And and, and, uh, and then, of course, after that, it toured with Bruce Valanche. And uh, so it's just had some great casting through the years. And here we are many years later, um, and it, it's still running and still doing the national tour. What do you think explains the success of this show? I mean, is it just the rhythm and the pace and the great music that makes this, as you say, timeless? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they wrote an incredible book to go with this incredible music and lyrics. Absolutely. But the show is timeless. The story is um, ever present. It was present when it first came out um, on Broadway 20 some years ago, and now it's even more present now. Um, so it, it's a feel good show. It's what we need right now. Um, it's, you know, theater for a lot of people is like going to therapy. You get to release, you get to see yourself and you see parts of yourself that you maybe not want to address. And you get to have that visceral experience with us on stage. So it's, it's therapeutic. And it's the perfect show. It's the perfect show. You've been with the show. You've been touring the country with it. Are the audience reactions different as you go from city to city? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we go anywhere from, you know, Yakima, Washington, Orange, Texas, and then places like San Diego and Chicago and Detroit. It's really interesting. It's, but 
I will say every single performance, no matter what, the audience is always on their feet at the end. So it is, even though these places may be different, we all can come together for this message. Absolutely. I mentioned when I introduced you, you had been in Japan. I thought we'd lost you to Japan uh, until we got there. So uh, first of all, talk about what it was like living there, which you did for so while, and then why you auditioned for this particular show to bring you back. Oh, absolutely. So I like to describe living in Japan as a fever dream (laughs) in the most loving way possible. I was there all through COVID. Well, not all through COVID, all through the first hit of quarantine and everything, too. I got there January of 2020, and I left January 2021. We did close down for three months, but we got very, very lucky. We're very fortunate to not be sent home. Um, We we are open back up. And I think at one point, our park and maybe one other place were the only performers in the world. So it was very, very odd, strange privilege that I had. Uh, But it was great. It's a beautiful country. Everybody's so nice. Everything's so clean. I remember the first time I went on the subway there, and there was it was this one person's job to vacuum each individual step. And you don't get that in Chicago. So... (laughs) It was uh, it was a culture shock, but in the best way. And then coming back to Hairspray, you know, I, when I came back in January 2021, I didn't really have any jobs lined up. I came back. My mom's health wasn't doing too well. So I wanted to come home to be closer with her. Uh, but then I was living in Indiana, and my agent, who's based out of Chicago, sent me along this audition. And I thought, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to get back. Um, and everything was over Zoom, so I didn't have to go to New York or anything. Everything was in the little bedroom of my apartment and they sent the offer and within a few months i was out in new york we've been having this conversation i've been making an assumption that everybody knows the story of hairspray because it's just been around for so long and it's so classic i should make that assumption so uh tell our listeners what hairspray is about and um and a little bit about edna and tracy turnblatt so it centers around tracy turnblatt in the year 1962 um it is her dream to be on the stock hop after school show called the corny collins show which i am lovingly the host of and but it's more than just wanting her her wanting to be on tv it's her noticing that there is the tv show is segregated and there's a line that she says in the show she says i just think it's stupid that we can't all dance together so that is her root of her that is her intention and she wants to bring the community together so uh it is about her journey to get on that tv show and through that do her work towards bringing everybody together and integrating this tv show and her community and um her Mother, Edna Turnblad, is incredibly played by Mr. Andrew Levitt, a.k.a. Nino West from RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, and the best part is, you know, you know, uh, Edna Turnblad, excuse me, is mostly played, is always traditionally played by a quote-unquote man. Uh, and the best part is we never address it. We never say, oh, there's, you know, wink, wink, there's a man playing a woman. Um, it's just like a nice little secret that the audience has with the rest of us. Um, it's the it's a beautiful relationship. It's you know it's one of the dream mothers to have. Um, you know maybe Nina West is more of a dream mother than Divine, but. <laughs> Although that would be fun. Well, I was going to say, when you mentioned Divine, so people should, you know, Divine, of course, was in the movie version of Hairspray, and, of course, so many other John Waters films. How critical is it that this be a man, you know, as a woman, or do you think this really is sort of homage to Divine, who's no longer with us? I believe so, yes. I remember at one point, um, Jack O'Brien, what we were very fortunate to have him in the rehearsal process, um, was saying that at one point on the Broadway run, they were thinking of replacing with someone who was who identified as a woman. And uh, the, he said, absolutely not, because, A, this is the origin, of course, was divine. 
but it would take away that secret, like I said. Like, we never address it, that the fact that there's a man playing a woman on stage. But the, it's an extra secret that the audience has, you know? So I think if there were, not that a woman wouldn't be capable of doing it, I think that'd be fabulous, maybe someday with the right person. But I think it takes away from that little bit of the story and that the bit of the, the comedy of it all. And the role of Tracy Turnblad, which is it's just such a fun role. And, of course, there is this relationship between mother and daughter, Edna and Tracy. Um, and it's there because it's just such a loving relationship between them. It really is. It really is. And the way that Edna is towards Tracy, she's such a nurturer. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the way the role of Motormouth Maybell is also such a nurturer to her kids as well, to Seaweed and Lil Inez. It is such a across the board, beautiful representation of that relationship between parent and child. Um, and it's, it's astounding, yes. And, of course, Billy, let's talk about your role, Corny Collins. Talk about who Corny Collins is in the show. Uh, how do you interact with the players? I mean, you've got such presence. You're so much fun to watch because I've seen you in so many different performances. Uh, but, uh, yeah, talk about that role. Well, Corny Collins is really a great, fun role. Um, And the best part is I'm not a dancer first, so I get to stand on stage, sing my heart out, and people just dance around me. So (laughs) that's really fun for me. Uh, I do get to dance at the end a bit. Um, But Corny Collins, he is the host of the local TV show that uh, Tracy wants to get on. And I think one of my favorite things about Corny Collins is that he is such a champion for racial justice and equality, you know. He wants to create, he is, he also wants to integrate the show. He is a uh, champion of equity and equality within the community and not just, and he wants to have representation on TV to show that not only is there space for our people, our friends of color, um, but there's also a need and value for them. Um, so to be able to play such a role like that in this show is incredible. I have to break it to you, Billy, but you're not the only one who dances at the end of the show. The entire audience is on their feet dancing at the end of the show, so you're, you're not right. alone when that happens. YouTube, uh, you, that's right. You, Get those YouTube bootlegs and start practicing, everybody. Yeah, you got it. So, Hairspray, starring my good friend Billy Dawson, who you've been listening to. It's at the CIBC Theater, February 1st through the 13th. You can get tickets at broadwayinchicago.com. Billy, break a leg every night, and I sure look forward to seeing you on stage. I'll see you on opening night, I'm sure. Just can't wait to see it. Thank you, my friend. I'll see you soon. Thank you. Uh, we stay on our theme of musicals. Before you see Hairspray, you're going to want to run over to the CIBC Theater and see Oklahoma. Uh, and this is not your grandmother's Oklahoma, as most people describe it. It is uh, same script, same music, but boy, is it a different experience. Joining me to talk about this is Gwen Wood. She is the understudy for Lori Williams, one of the leads, and Edo Annie and Gertie Cummings. And so we never know when she's going to step in and fill in. She joins me now, actually, as you are doing now with a couple of your colleagues. Gwen, thanks for joining me. What is it like to be in this production of Oklahoma, which is people who knew the story, man, they're getting blown away by, by how this is being produced. Yeah, it's, it's honestly incredible. I saw the show on Broadway Um, in 2019, I believe, and I was moved beyond belief at basically how 
this production can take a classic story and not change anything, and yet the impact is so different. It's so exciting to see people's reactions and get to do this story in this way every night. I love it. I have to say, watching it, I actually began to think, wait a minute, they have to have changed the book. There's some differences here because I don't want to give too much away, but let me just say this production seems a bit darker and sometimes literally darker uh, with regard to uh, the way in which cameras and lighting are used. And and so, and, but yet there are no changes. This is the script. But would you agree this has sort of a darker, a darker feel? But for me, it's more about a modern audience, an audience that maybe, you know, isn't in the uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein framework from the 1950s. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. So it's the same script, which is incredible. I actually, the first time that I saw it, had to go back and I checked because I was like, there's no way that this is the same. But it really is. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's basically like, what if these characters were looked at from a modern lens instead of just accepting that this is the way that Oklahoma has always been done, so we're going to continue doing it that way. This revival sort of looks at it under our current worldview, our current world circumstances, and obviously things are incredibly different uh, now in 2022 than they were. Um, it's, It's just becoming, I believe, more and more relevant today with the themes of community and an outsider. I believe it's more relevant than ever. And the staging is really unique, too. Obviously, for people that, and maybe these days more people have seen the movie than that might have seen, obviously, that original Broadway production or previous incarnation. It all takes place in one set, but yet we get the sense that we're in places based on how that's handled, and a lot of corn gets, uh, uh, whatever the <laughs> word is, <laughs> chucked, peeled back. Uh, sorry, I'm a city boy. Yeah. And, uh, and my understanding is we can't do that here in Chicago because of COVID, but is it true in New York they would actually serve some some cornbread and stuff to the audience in intermission? They would. That was one of my favorite parts. It's sort of, um, first of all, the cornbread and chili was delicious. So, like, that's the first pro. Second pro was um, it's so intimate, uh, especially in Circle in the Square. It was incredibly, like, you felt like you were a part of the community. And so it almost felt like a communion of sorts where you would go down to the stage that all the actors were just on at intermission and have some of that cornbread and chili. And it's like you are further implicated in this story that we're telling. Um, I wished with all my heart that we could have cornbread and chili in every city that we went to because I, I love that part. But unfortunately, with COVID, it just isn't feasible. But maybe in further productions, hopefully, there'll be more chili and cornbread. <laughs> So uh, talk about, you know, I have to say some of the, the characters you're working with are the, the actors, Christopher Banow, for example, who played Judd Fry. It, it was a role that was played by Rod Steiger in the in the movie for people who saw it. Man, I, and I and I love and Christopher was supposed to join us. He wasn't able, able to. But this character is so dark. He, there's just so many levels in depth that I just don't ever remember previous actors, at least in the movie, ever having the kinds of depth, almost Hitchcockian kind of uh, impact that, that he does in this, uh, the character in which he plays it more so than Rod Steiger in the movie. Yeah, no, Chris is amazing. He he understudied the role on Broadway, and um, he also understudied many others as well. And I find, obviously as an understudy, I haven't gotten to go on with him yet, but the like vulnerability that he brings it it like it breaks my heart because Judd so easily could be seen as almost like a two-dimensional character like the story needs a villain of course so we're going to put this like 
vague guy who doesn't have a lot to say, this farmhand in there. Um, but I think with Chris and Daniel's vision for Judd, I think that it it adds a lot more to the story. It makes it more um, more interesting for Lori, especially. Like, I can speak to my own experience of doing it in rehearsal. Um, having that sort of, like, I'm afraid, but I don't know why I'm afraid of this man. It's like he's just the socially unacceptable choice. Um, but there's nothing there's nothing overtly wrong with him, but there is that like sort of scary, subtle, like masculine energy. It's very interesting and it makes for I think a more dimensional a dimensional Judd and therefore a dimensional a more dimensional curly Lori Judd sort of like love triangle thing. Yeah, it's just, as I said, it was just, I, I was blown away. I didn't know what to expect. I had heard some things. I'll be honest, like, I wouldn't go to a Rodgers and Hammerstein show, you know, as if it sort of existed from the 50s, not my cup of tea. I'm more into modern takes, but that's exactly what this show is. It is just such a different spin. It's like, forget that there ever was Oklahoma before. This could have been written, you know, two years ago uh, and presented. It's really just an amazing experience to have. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you felt that way. I definitely feel that way. And I know that that is what our cast and our company is is hoping to do, is to bring sort of like a fresh take, a fresh set of eyes and perspective on this story and make it more relevant to something that you might see as a new work today. So I'm so glad you felt that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Grenwood, thank you so much for being with me. Oklahoma at the CIBC Theater playing through January 23rd. It's around the corner, so get to it. You don't want to miss it. It is an experience. Thank you for being with me. Have a great rest of the run in Chicago. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm sitting in the railway station. Got a ticket for my destination. Uh, what incredible music, right? If you're a Simon and Garfunkel fan, get ready. This show is returning to Chicago February 22nd to the 27th, the CIBC Theater, the Simon and Garfunkel story. Joining me now are Simon and Garfunkel in different forms. Taylor Bloom, who plays Paul Simon, and Brendan Jacob Smith, who plays Art Garfunkel. Now, that second name might be one you know and remember from America's Got Talent when he was with his great tenor group, T3, where they were just, just so amazing at what they did. Uh, and I'm going to start with you, Taylor. So what do you think of coming back to Chicago? Because you were in this role the uh, first time it was here, and you've been with the show for quite a while. Um, so what's it like to kind of still be with it all this time later? I had the pleasure of performing with the show when we were in Chicago last time, and we had just a wonderful time. It's a beautiful city to sit down in for a while, so we're so excited to be there for for a week this time. And, and we also love the Chicago audiences so much. I'm really excited to be back. And by the way, Taylor, did you know the clip that I selected? You might have thought that was done while you were on stage. It wasn't. Did it sound familiar to you as to where I might have recorded it from? You know, I think I did pick up on it. At first, I thought, hey, I know this song. And then I thought, hey, wait, I know this version of this song. 
did it in the third floor lobby of the Robinson Center in Little Rock, Arkansas with, <laughs> with Ben Cooley, who were you here last time. So I just wanted to kind of surprise you with that. And uh, Brendan, uh, I don't know if you get to rehearse uh, with him or the other Paul Simons in the hallways of various places, but uh, welcome. And I was, you know, I was pleasantly surprised to see that those great performances on America's on AGT as T3. But what led you to then take on the role of Art Garfunkel and how much of a challenge is it for you? Yeah, it's it's definitely an entirely different um, ball game for sure. And thank you so much for having me on the show. By the way, it's it's so cool to be part of such a different experience. You know, with uh, AGT and with T3, it's 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 still harmonies, but it's not quite the same as Simon and Garfunkel. So it's really good to be uh, stripping it back and just having some two part harmony with some guitar. It's it's a lot of fun. Well, what I have to love is, and, and the question this is going to be for you, Brendan. But Taylor, when you were here last time with Ben Cooley, you know, Ben has that. Art Garfunkel kind of hair. And so when I saw that, <laughs> that Brendan was playing, I said, well, I don't know. Uh, and I follow both of you on Instagram. And I thought, Brendan, like, you you know, I've seen you perform on AGT. You don't actually have that Art Garfunkel hair. You sort of Garfunkelize your hair every night. Yeah, I definitely do. I, I got some uh, some highlights and some curls in there. So uh, <laughs> it's definitely a different look for me, but I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Taylor, I'm, you, I, we should clarify. So this is almost like coming to hear, you guys don't pretend you're Simon and Garfunkel. You don't you don't make us believe, even though you have that the similar look and all that. It's really more like a Simon and Garfunkel concert experiences, right? I mean, that is to say, you don't pretend to be Simon and Garfunkel. You don't want us to think that's who you are. You're it's it's really more like paying homage to them. Is that fair enough to say? Yeah, I mean, the way we approach the show is to sort of we we tell their story in the third person in sort of narration that we give every couple of songs. But our hope is that when the music starts playing and and we start singing. Uh, that, that anyone in the audience could close their eyes and believe that they're at a Simon and Garfunkel concert listening to the two of them live. So, Brendan, I'm just wondering, is it sort of a challenge for you to become more of that Art Garfunkel character or voice, I should say, because, um, you know, I've heard your tenor voice as part of your group T3. Are you using your natural voice in the Paul Simon, Taylor Bloom type of way? That is to say, it just blends in. You just sound like Garfunkel when you're singing with a Paul Simon, whoever it happens to be. Yeah, it's definitely a different experience to be uh, to be blending with, um, with a different person. And sounding like Art Garfunkel is definitely a huge feat because that voice is so unique. But, uh, you know, it's definitely I put in some work to try to, to sound like him without trying to copy his tone. You know, there, there's definitely a line there to sound like me, but not trying to impersonate him, just trying to do the best I can to sound like a similar tone. That makes sense. And Brendan, I'm guessing, too, because you guys, I'm sure, had a huge fan following from AGT, and I know the audiences don't get to really meet you after the show very much anymore with COVID going on, but you, you must get a lot of recognition for the AGT and people just coming to see it because they can see that AGT guy who's now playing Art Garfunkel. <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting to, to have some younger people coming up to me and, and, and saying that they saw me on AGT after the show, if they saw me after. Um, and it's really cool to kind of... Um, to kind of see the the wide range of people that are are now enjoying Simon and Garfunkel, it's not just an older generation. It's, it's younger people who enjoy this music. It's it's definitely a wide range of different people that enjoy the AGT stuff versus the uh, Simon and Garfunkel stuff. So I'm very grateful. Were you Brendan a Simon and Garfunkel fan before this show? Was this something you said, "Oh my God, I love their music"? I absolutely was. Yeah, I grew up listening to them. Um, in fact, I was. I grew up mainly harmonizing in the stairwell of my uh, of my high school with my best friend Jonah to Simon and Garfunkel, and that was kind of my introduction to harmony in the first place. So honestly, without Simon and Garfunkel, I don't even know if T3 
of America's Got Talent would even exist. Yeah, and so, Taylor, how difficult is it for you? Because, you know, there's there's different people who play Paul Simon and, uh, you know, different people who play Art Garfunkel. And so sometimes you're often with the same person, maybe not, maybe you've got somebody else. Does that matter to you? I mean, do you, do you does there need to be different get-togethers with the different Garfunkels in order to get that, that blending magical sound of Simon and Garfunkel? Or is it really a situation where, hey, you just hit the notes and we're fine? It, it definitely uh, requires uh, rehearsal each time. Like, like if you're going to be singing the, the songs with a different partner, it, it requires a good deal of rehearsal because, I mean, the songs are the same, the arrangements are the same, but each singer uh, approaches the songs slightly differently in terms of how they might want to phrase or how you know what notes they're going to uh, to do a retard on. Like, you, you need to sort of work that out with the person you're singing because the, the thing is. It's got to be tight and together, and it's got to be not only in terms of synchrony, but it's got to be together in terms of tone, in terms of approach, in terms of feel. And so the, a good deal of rehearsal goes into it any time that we try to sing the show with someone other than the person we're used to singing it with, if that makes sense. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel, I hope to see you guys on opening night. Simon and Garfunkel, February 22nd to the 27th, the story of Simon and Garfunkel at the CIBC Theater. Taylor Bloom, Brendan Jacobs-Smith, uh, Enjoy the city. I love this show. I can't wait to see it again. And guys, break a leg every night you're here in Chicago. Thank you so much, and thanks for having us today. Family has no more than a boy in the company of strangers In the quiet of the railway station running scared Laying low, seeking out the poor quarters where the ragged people go Looking for the places only they would know Well, if you want to know more about what we've talked about here, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Paul Lisnick. That's P-A-U-L-L-I-S-N-E-K. And I'd love to hear your comments or topic suggestions for future podcasts. You can also go to my website, paullisnick.tv. And hey, don't forget to hit subscribe on WGN Plus and iTunes. And tune in each week to hear more Insider Scoop coming to you from Behind the Curtain.